If you're listening to this as it comes out on New Year's Eve, well, listen, my Doctor Who in memoriam video, I do one every year and have done since I think about 2014. Um, and you just have to type in Doctor Who in memoriam and then the year 2013, 14, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And as of today, as uh, this is going out, New Year's Eve, there will be Doctor Who in memoriam 2021 appearing on my YouTube channel, Toby Haydock, easy to find, at some point during the day. It is my way of paying tribute to those from the world of Doctor Who who have left us this year. So if you would like to avail yourself of that, it's a bittersweet, but I hope, you know, um, a moving and apposite tribute. Uh, and if that is your sort of thing, I also have a tribute obituary show on Radio 4 Extra coming out. It's called Absent Friends, and it is on the 1st and 2nd of January in the 7th Dimension on Radio 4 Extra uh, at 6.50 and midnight 50 on the 1st and 6.50 and midnight 50 on the 2nd. It's two episodes, so each episode has different people in. That's Absent Friends with me, Toby Haydock, on Radio 4 Extra. I do hope you can listen. Welcome to Happy Twice Upon a Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock, accentuating the positive about an episode of Doctor Who and seeing if I can guess my special guest's favourite things about it. Well, welcome to this edition of Happy Times and Places. Before we begin, we're going to go into the future where I'm about to have a conversation that... I currently haven't had with this episode's special guest. Right, listeners, I'm in the future and I'm going to meet, and it's we've only literally just met, my special guest for this episode. So, uh, hello, Joe, introduce yourself to me and to the listeners, if you would. Uh, hello, I'm Joe and I've been watching Doctor Who since just about the 50th anniversary which was 2013, and I've not stopped watching since. And um, we just had this conversation, but the, the listeners didn't hear it. You you were actually born after the series came back, is that right? Yeah, just before like the year anniversary of when it came back. So you know that when old geezers like me are in our bath chairs, it's going to be people like you, down to, whom, down to you, that the future of Doctor Who is in, will be in your hands. Yeah. Well, I was very impressed um, for somebody born after the uh, broadcast of Rose. Do you mind if I share with the listeners your top 10 Doctor Who stories? Yeah, yeah go ahead. This is very heartening, everybody. At number one, Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh, at number two, Logopolis. At number three, Caves of Androzani. You like the landmarks, don't you? At number four, oh, yeah. uh, Earthshock. Number five, Controversial, The Happiness Patrol. Number six, The End of Time. Number seven, Evil of the Daleks. I'm not going to say number eight yet because that's what we're actually doing. Number nine, Trial of a Time Lord. And number 10, The War Games. That's a very impressive list. So um, uh, some bona fide classics there and some some slightly from left field. So uh, what, what made you choose th those ones when you were asked for your top 10? Uh, I just thought, well, for Remembrance, I remember I've watched that countless times. Because uh, it was one of the few classic Who stories I'd ever had when I was little. And I just, I love the music. I love the Daleks. I love the concept of like a civil war in 1963, which I think is cool. 
and the others are just good stories with good music just like remembrance really they're just it's just Doctor Who at its finest most of them and the others are just interesting I don't know yeah no I love it I love it and uh, your favourite Doctors are David Tennant Peter Davison Patrick Troughton it's so heartening to see two classic Doctors on the list of somebody that uh, has come to it afterwards so when did you discover there was a Doctor Who before the Doctor Who that you know that you knew and that was on the telly? Uh, well, I started watching when Matt Smith was the Doctor, and then I went on Netflix and I was watching uh, the first revival series with Christopher Eccleston in it. And at first, I just thought it was your younger Matt Smith or something because I I wasn't really understanding. But at the end of his series, I watched him regenerate, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And then I started to look into it, and then I was like, this is a very old show. And then <laughs> I think my parents told me, oh, yeah, it's been going on years. So then just got into classic Doctor Who and the rest is history. Well, look, um, for the purposes of the listener, uh, but without giving away any of your five things, because we'll come back after the episode, but just give us, uh, tell us the episode that, you, that, that we've chosen. It was your eighth favourite story, which is the one that, uh, uh, that hasn't already been sort of claimed by somebody else. So t- tell everybody what your, your eighth favourite story is and, and, and a general thing of why, why this is in your top ten. Uh, twice Upon a Time, because it's, it really marks like this is the Doctor now versus this was the Doctor then. It shows how the Doctor's changed. And it's one of the last good episodes before Chibnall takes over. (laughs) I will leave that comment standing. (laughs) Oh, Joe, we've only just met, uh, but this is marvellous. Well, Joe and I are going to go and watch Twice Upon a Time. Uh, And as are you, uh, gentle listener, or you're going to listen to me talking about it, and then we're going to find out what Joe's five favourite things are and if they are the same as mine. So that was my conversation with Joe, who I've yet to meet. Uh, so obviously I've yet to have that conversation. We're doing this slightly differently. This is a present for Joe's birthday. A colleague, a colleague of mine, Brian Malcolm, uh, said, you know, what can I get for my young nephew who's a, who's a big Doctor Who fan? Um, and I made some suggestions and, and Brian said, what, what about your podcast? So I went, well, okay, this is the deal. Uh, so then Joe sent me a list of his favorite stories, which were topped by Remembrance of the Daleks, I think. Legopolis was about number four and his favorite doctors, I think, included Peter Davison and Patrick Trout or Tom Baker. I mean, he's, you know, so, oh, he's really old school. Um, but also he chose some new series stories as well. And this podcast is, is full of, uh, classic series stories, but I've not done a Capaldi yet, have I? Uh, and it's not got um, that many people queuing up to do new series stories because I think nostalgia is a powerful tool. And whilst it would have been exciting to have a 15-year-old doing uh, a, a classic series story, uh, I felt that let's go, for, let's let's force myself to watch something I'm not quite so familiar with, especially as we are doing this at Christmas time. Um, this is possibly my last recording before Christmas. Um, so in a couple of days, I'm going to hook up with Joe, but I'm going to have chosen and written down my favourite things, uh, which uh, at the end of this, we will then cut forward to the future and see if uh, he and I are in accord. So the story that he has chosen, or, or he sent me a list of, as I say, his 10 favourites from that list, 
I chose uh, Twice Upon a Time. Uh, we might have told you that. And you see, I'm, I'm, uh, there might be a repeated information here because I don't know what we're going to say. Oh, it's very timey-wimey, which is very appropriate. So I am on iPlayer. You may be on something else. I've paused having pressed play. So uh, let us uh, put our snow gear on and transport ourselves to the end of Peter Capaldi's reign. It's Doctor Who. And uh, not for the first time. Let's go twice upon a time. Uh, previously on Doctor Who, it says, now, first up, um, I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Uh, so the idea of starting this with actual footage from the 10th planet, uh, just, I mean, I sort of think, how lucky are we? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that this would happen and you know even i wouldn't have thought we'd have had now they're called mondasian cybermen but we'd had those uh in 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 previous stories um and they'd really worked and i love that design having been really embarrassed about it when when i saw them on target book covers and went well no wonder they changed those but then changing hartnell into bradley through through actual footage from the show oh i mean that sort of ultra and then having these these shots and they're and they're kind of you know some of the shots are exactly the same as the 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 cine footage that we have of episode four of the tenth planet because we don't have the whole thing this far from being all over and going into the camera is 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 pretty much sort of what we have. Uh, uh, I remember that much was made of the actors playing uh, Ben and Polly. Um, ben is uh, from Hollyoaks and uh, Polly is uh, Lily Travers, isn't she? Who's related to Bill Travers and Virginia McKenna, born free. Um, and they end up not doing very much at all. I know a lot of the Tenth Planet stuff was cut, um, which is a shame because uh, I I do like seeing the '60s stuff in color. But I believe it was shot in a sort of '60s way, and it didn't it didn't translate as as well as they'd hoped. And they'd got lots of other stuff. I like the captions. I love this Arctic setting, Antarctic setting, the snow setting, the snow, uh, and it's a beautiful set. Uh, and and the cold, you 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 know you do feel the cold, although it. Um, it's beautiful. The colours of it are beautiful. Um, I mean, it is slightly artificial. I mean, I, I feel I'm watching a set. Do I? Is that a problem? But I, actually, I don't mind that. It's got a sort of fairy tale. Like, I love the fact that they've recreated this this set in the studio, which I'm assuming they have. If I find out now that they flew all the way to the Arctic, <laughs> and because sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Where people go, well, that looked unrealistic. You know, they were there. Some people go, his accent was terrible. That's his actual accent. Um, I love the the silhouette of, of the Hartnell costume. I love that Bradley's got the hat and the scarf, um, you know, so associated with that. I wonder if it was an accident that in the 10th planet, um, he occasionally sports the same look that he's not sported since the first story. The first time I saw Bradley, because I was uh, I was obviously in an, uh, an adventure space of time very shortly, he was uh, standing sort of on the step outside his caravan with, with that gear on. Um, uh, and I was lucky enough, uh, actually, um, on the set, I said, you know, have you, have you watched much of, of, of Hartnell? Uh, and he said, oh, well, they've got this, this footage, haven't they? Uh, uh, that was that was coming out on the 10th Planet DVD that wasn't out at that point of him being interviewed as as William Hartnell. And that's not what I'd asked. I'd meant to watch lots of the episodes. But he said, I've, you know, I've seen this footage of Hartnell. And I said, oh, I can't wait for that to come out. And he went, oh, I've got it here. Uh, and he, and uh, in a break when we were both outside having a fag, um, he said, oh, do you, want to, do you want to see that? And he gave me his iPad 
with the footage on and I watched as David Bradley held, as David Bradley playing William Hartnell held his iPad with the actual William Hartnell on and watched it outside as we had a fag. He's such a nice man. I mean, I, you know, I had three lines in an adventure in space and time, uh, but he'd overheard me talking about being a comedian uh, in Manchester. So he took my number because he said, oh, I sometimes I'm working in Manchester a bit and I like comedy. And lo and behold, on his birthday, rang me up and said, uh, are you gigging tonight? And I was and we got him in uh, and uh, and I and he saw me at a train station um, on another occasion at Manchester Piccadilly and called me across the concourse, told me. And I'm just like, uh, why do you even know my name? And I'd seen him play Gloucester at the Royal Shakespeare Company. He was the, uh, at the time he was first on my radar, he was, he had exactly the career I wanted, which was to be an actor that, you know, people didn't really know, but was never out of work uh, and was playing all the choice parts at the Royal Shakespeare Company, the choice supporting parts uh, without the burden of command. Uh, and it just seemed like a brilliant career as a character actor. Um, and then gradually he started to do bits of television. He was on Our Friends in the North. I mean, he was doing telly all that time, but prominent, noticeable bits of television. He's brilliant as uh, Eddie in uh, Our Friends in the North and, and, and became, you know, this household face, household name. And then I, I remember being told he might play uh, William Hartnell when Adventure in Space and Time is being planned. And I just thought, oh, my God, that is absolutely perfect. I hope he does it. And he did. And now he's become part of the, uh, you know, and he's an acclaimed actor. Uh, and he's he's become, you know, part of the legacy and does big finish. And, and uh, you know, it seems to have completely embraced. Because sometimes you expect when an actor, of, you know, class and, you know, um, theatrical heritage and cinematic heft you know gets a role in our funny little series you think yeah they'll come in and go i will bestow my greatness upon you and then sod off but not not at all april 1914 i think this is terribly moving um i i think this is a brilliant setting for a christmas day episode because it is it is everything great and wonderful and awful about humanity in 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 captured in in sort of one moment almost, the famous armistice truce where they play football, which of course is wonderful, except you know that an hour before that, somebody probably died unnecessarily. An hour after that, some people, some of those very people playing the football game died unnecessarily, probably killed by the people they were playing football with. Uh, although I understand that there was a lot of time in the trenches where they, they actually just deliberately missed each other and... Uh, uh, and only attacked each other when told to from above, which is almost, I mean, which is great in one way, but almost even worse, you know, just sitting there in abject misery and terrible conditions, waiting to be told to kill each other, you know, people that you've got no hard hard feelings for, really, because you're, you know, ordinary souls, you know, uh, who didn't win history's lottery. Um, World War One is such a terrible... I mean, war wars are terrible, obviously, but I think World War One is the sort of picture postcard um, exemplar of the futility and stupidness, and 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 this Mark Gatiss character of that that sort of stoical British chap, you know, and and all of that that we find comforting, uh, or, or certainly, um, okay, white guys of my age find find comforting because it it, it was part of what we sort of grew up with, um, and you know. Um, credit to the production team for making sure there are, uh, 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 is diversity within the, the, the ranks of the extras. It's always a good way to uh, find out who's an asshole on Twitter because somebody goes, oh, but why there were black people there? Because there were. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, having casting that also reflects society today is a good thing. I love the description of this in the script uh, of... Uh, um, is, is she a, uh, an ice maiden designed by Apple? I think that's a superb description. Uh, and it's a brilliant uh, image uh, and, a, and a great creature. Um, but but Gatiss and, and what he what he stands for that sort of you know it's, it's, it's all about honor and doing the right thing old man and manners and yet actually what you're doing is rotten and terrible and awful and tragic but you hide behind that etiquette and that proper way of doing things because in a way that that maintains the sanity bizarrely in a bizarre insane way if that's um but great so we've sort of we've so we've had his entrance but now we're sort of going back and seeing it through through his experience and we have this lovely trio of characters and of and of doctor greats and i think it's lovely that that mark gatis is on hand to be there I, I i believe one of the reasons he's there is is because you know moffat wanted him as he was leaving stephen moffat the showrunner um and he's an important part of doctor who and toby whithouse has played the german soldier two of the few uh, people who've written for Doctor Who and played a credited speaking acting part in it as well. Uh, Glyn Jones from the Space Museum and the Sontaran Experiment uh, uh, was for a while. Uh, oh, and Victor Pemberton, Moonbase and Fury from the Deep uh, were, were, the, were the only ones for a while. Um, uh, the Doctors uh, uh, having a sort of a pesky relationship with each other is a is an is an honourable. Uh, uh, tradition going back to Pertwee and Troughton and it can sort of make sense I suspect I would argue with myself of 20 years ago um <laughs> and I do like I actually really like this TARDIS um my TARDIS that's good <laughs> uh, Alexa volume five I think I need to hear a bit more of this wonderful dialogue um I love Capaldi. I think he's so good. And and I like the fact that as his doctor's gone on, that sort of harsh haircut has given way to... Uh, uh, he's, he's almost like he has the haircut that, that Tom Baker had after he'd left Doctor a bit when he started, when he, when he cut off all his locks and looked quite alarming. Uh, and sort of grows into the, the sort of wild. Um, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because this is a story of accepting change which as I get older is something that one realises one has to do um, and not to be a stick in the mud and to learn from those coming up behind uh, that you don't just learn. But, but but I am going to argue the other argument as well, which I don't think is serviced well in this, which is you also learn from what came before. And, I, and I'm afraid the joke that old Doctor Who is some kind of chauvinistic stick in the mud uh, is... Is one that falls flat for me, and it, and it's it is quite forced and painful in this, and uh, and I don't like that. It's interesting. I think this is quite emblematic of the t oh, I love this VHS video. Quite emblematic of the times, in that we are prone to um, at the moment. Well, one, holding off the regeneration, not wanting to change, uh, because we are important. There is a huge, and and this is Doctor Who aware of its own legacy, which I, as a fan, of course. 
have a love-hate relationship with. I go, because I can't believe that for me, starting with the 10th planet and actual clips from the 10th planet, I love this. And you've got the first Doctor. And the other part of it is going, but what will the casual audience make of this? Which, of course, is a self-loathing, flagellating thing. Uh, casual audiences are usually fine. They accept what they're given. And there's nothing in this that means you have to know anything apart from the fact that he was the first Doctor. And that's explained in the thing. But you still whip yourself with the thorns going, no, the general, this is the end of Doctor Who. The general public will not possibly understand this. Um, they weren't, and actually the general public don't understand quite a lot of Doc 2 because they talk through it all during Christmas Day, in my experience. Uh, uh, but this is, you know, it's all established within the script and it's got this lovely dy dynamic and comedy of, of manners and two very, very good actors sparring off each other. And I think uh, Gatiss makes a wonderful sort of straight man. He's got he's got such a charming quality about him. He's, he's I mean, he's almost like he's preserved in amber from a previous time. Um, uh, and I, I, I think we're very lucky t to have him. He's a he's a marvelous actor as a you know as a Doctor Who person as a Doctor Who ambassador. He's a marvelous actor, but in my limited experience of him, um, he's a he's a very kind and decent man. Um, um, and he embodies a lot of those things that he that he sort of plays. Although I think he's a he's a I've seen him on stage a lot. I think he's a better actor than we sometimes see him as because of the types of parts that he plays it's easy to underestimate somebody who does certain things really well uh because one he does them really well but two it, 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 he can do he can do uh, i've seen him on stage a few times in lots of different stuff and he's oh boy is has he got range and heft and all sorts of things he's a terrific actor um or, i mean all three of these are terrific actors they're amongst the best actors we have but um yeah this this idea that we we look at the past. I, I do like his 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 uh, <laughs> the doctor's embar uh, 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 embarrassment and um, disapproval of the electric guitar, which um, I'm not sure what I think of the electric guitar or the shades. I I I mean they are a bit midlife crisis, aren't they? And is that deliberate? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I certainly don't dislike the shades in the way that some do, partially because Peter Capaldi rock shades. I mean, Peter Capaldi is very cool. He is very elegant. Um, uh, but I am, as I say, I am not going to let uh, them get away with. Uh, who am I to say this? Um, but um, the, the yes, the sort of repeated joke of because oh, it. Because there's a lot of looking at the past and wagging our fingers at it that we do these days. And we only make the progress we have because of the people that came before us. We were born into a world that was that was ever-changing. And all of those changes that we then come to you know, benefit from as we get older are changes that were initiated by those people in the past who then may have had a slightly different attitude to us about other things. Or may have been slightly sore on the uptake of things that we are now battling for. But but it, it's a very arrogant position to take to go that makes us better than them, because who are we to say we're suddenly the heroes of a movie we were not actually uh, we were not even cast in to suddenly be going, well, all this stuff that we know that these people didn't. We're better than them. Well, uh, except swap places and then see how marvelous you'd have been. Uh, and I think a lack of that awareness, um, uh, I, I think, smacks a little bit of a, a desire to. Um, a little bit too much zeal to to, to wag your finger and uh, and uh, and and we will come we will come back to some of the uh, 
contradictions of our age, of the things that we espouse. And I, and I say this as a member of the probably metropolitan liberal elite, but I am very conscious um, of if, if views like mine are to prosper, uh, they, they must do so by not patronising or being judgmental uh, to people that don't hold them. Uh, and not to judge, not to be, yeah, judge, judgmentalism from liberals is, is extraordinarily oxymoronic to me. I love uh, per, Pearl Mackey. I, I really enjoyed this whole series uh, prior to this. Uh, I'd, I'd felt it had really, Doctor Who had found a, a, a different voice and, and, a, and a little spring in its step. And I loved the TARDIS crew of, of uh, Bill and Nardole and the Doctor. I think Bill is a great character. And a, and a, but again, ah, here's an example of the liberal elite thing, actually, because obviously when uh, Bill was in, announced as uh, Doctor Who's, uh, uh, um, well, first of all, Doctor Who's, um, was she announced as Doctor Who's first non-heterosexual character i can't remember the terminology but loads of people who do oh what about captain jack and so immediately go here's a here's an exciting thing here's an exciting development for the show ah uh, yes but i think you'll find uh anyway that aside um i was invited onto radio five live because you know is it a problem that doctor who's uh doctor who's new companion is 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 a gay woman is that is you know is that a because there are certain people that think that in uh, family-friendly entertainment. The idea of homosexuality shouldn't be raised. I don't know what's family-friendly about uh, excluding a, a member of the family who who might be gay, or uh, empowering a member of the family who might be thinking that they're gay and thinking that they might not fit in, uh, and and seeing somebody a bit like them in this family-friendly show and making it more comfortable. I think these are forces for good. However, I, I also know that there are people the license payers who are a bit more shall we say old-fashioned than that i heartily disagree with those people um but i think the way to and i think the way to deal with it is to just do this have a brilliant character played by a brilliant actor and then it becomes normal and acceptable and in fact i've known situations where I'm from the middle of the countryside, you know, where 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 people with very, very old fashioned views then get to know uh, a black person because he frequents the local pub or get to know somebody uh, that they might not ordinarily mix with. And then they suddenly go, oh, yeah, but he's all right. And then they realize, oh, yeah, because he's all right. They might all be all right. And, and that's how we learn. If you suddenly storm into that pub and go, you're all racists and you better treat it. And, and uh, I didn't like the way you looked at him or or the fact that you asked him third if he wanted a pint means that you're racist and should go to prison. It's just going to get everybody's backs up. So exactly what Doctor Who should do uh, is that uh, he does look great in the, screw, in the screwdrivers, the sunglasses. Exactly what Doctor Who should do uh, is to just you know have a, a positive role model Get on with telling exciting stories full of vim and verve and vigour. Um, and break your heart occasionally too. Uh, there's a line in there about, I think you missed out some of the jokes in this, which I love. Um, and um, and so I went on Five Live and uh, they said, so Toby, um, uh, is it a problem, Doctor Who having a, a, lesb a gay female companion? And I went, nope. And the two BBC presenters went, nope, absolutely. Anyway, tell us about the new series. And I went, oh, no, 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 hang on. This is why... We're the BBC. We represent license payers. You as the presenter shouldn't... And I was interviewed before I went on because they actually interview you to see if you have the right opinions, which I think is slightly odd. 
Um, now, as it turns out, I do have the right to pillions because I'm a namby-pamby, weedy liberal. Um, but I sort of thought, well, hang on, this isn't then putting the argument out there that is being had online, that people are saying on Twitter and on Facebook. And it's all very well to say, well, we shouldn't air those views. Well, if they're views held by people... You do, now, that's not saying, yes, you let a racist on primetime television to just spout racist stuff. But I think the three of us in the studio could have said, and I think I did bring it in, or the presenter could have said, ah, yeah, but people think this because they say they don't have a problem with gay people, but what it's a family entertainment thing or whatever, and I could have made the points that I've made. But to actually, the fact that that's what I went on to discuss, and it was dismissed within seconds... That, to me, is exactly what people sitting at home listening and go, well, look at those three liberals uh, who've all got a consensus view on this. Nobody's raised what my view might be. Now, I, I still think it's bizarre in the 21st century that there are people that are, are you know, aren't people that would make homosexuality illegal or aren't people that, um, you know, would be mean to somebody gay if they met them, but are still um, slightly uncomfortable with what they see as you know an, an agenda or whatever as i say i think those people are wrong but the way to convince them is not to have a radio program that immediately dismisses their view um because then they go well why am i paying the license fee uh, because this does not serve my uh uh needs and as i say i'm not talking about pandering to extreme right people i'm talking about um you know having having out some of the stuff that people clearly talk about because you see it on, on Twitter and Facebook. You see it in the Daily Mail even, which is a horrible newspaper that I dislike, but it has a lot of traction and a lot of people share the views of that paper. And I'm not one to go, well, then they sh you should just not talk to them because I don't think that's how you win arguments. Now, the best way to win the argument, as I say, is to do what Doctor Who does. But uh, I thought that was a misstep. And I thought, again, emblematic of where I think we're going wrong. Slightly. This commentary is a laugh a minute, isn't it? I was surprised at sort of how low key this episode turned out to be. You know, it's, it's it starts on a you know in the Antarctic or on a battlefield, but a lot of it takes places in sort of rooms and in in studio. Uh, uh, and and it, and it is actually looking back on it. I mean, it seems so big at the time because it's got the first Doctor and uh, because Bill comes back and because it ends with Capaldi's regeneration. And look, the Doctor's in the bubbles. It's got all the Doctors in. I love seeing all the Doctors, um, although I just failed to give the first time we did that in The Next Doctor um, as one of my five favourite things and thus lost the competition. I don't think I'm going to win this. What have I got in common with a 15-year-old? I bet we choose entirely different things. Um, or will we learn that actually there's less that divides us, which would, I think, be a riposte to some of the things that I have just been talking about. Oh, uh, to be fair, there was no joke. Love that line about the jokes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is the programming slightly self-referential, but I, but it's, Moffat's witty lines at their best are witty-witty and, and really, really brilliant and strong. Um, and and this the, the, there's something about a suspended TARDIS as well. I think because it it kind of resembles you know like the TARDIS coming down in Fury from the Deep um, and things like uh, something we sort of seen in the show of old that was often done by a model shot. Although in Fury part of it was done by a helicopter, but some of it's a model. I think. Um, uh, 
but because it's 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 sort of an actual version of something that we imagined happening in special effect shots of the TARDIS being dangled on wire. I don't know. I find it strangely comforting. I'm sure it's complete coincidence. But anything that reminds me of, of Doctor Who's past in the present, well, I suppose it makes me feel welcome. It makes me feel special. Um, as I say, there's always that thing in the back of your mind going, I don't want to alienate the casual viewer. And I would have been bigger on that. But uh, but but interestingly, I've seen a few people discussing this on Twitter recently uh, and going, what? The casual viewer has always watched Doctor Who. Um, uh, uh, and it's, uh, I mean, uh, yes, and it can go too far, sure. But I don't I don't think anything in this does. And I think we're much more conscious of it being a problem often than, than it sometimes is. I like the mystery around whether Bill is Bill. Um, I, I find Bill such a sad, tragic character in terms of what's what happened to her and 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 her ultimate fate, and and and, and this sort of carries that on because you know is the Doctor doubting her? Is the Doctor going to reject her? Uh, Alexa, Volume Six. I love this TARDIS control. Um, uh, this 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 TARDIS um, uh, control room, the the Hartnell one, ha- Hartnell. I, I mean, isn't it amazing how so many things that we thought, well, that's very 60s, that, I mean, that wouldn't stand up today. Um, this looks absolutely magnificent. Obviously, it's much brighter white than... Uh, than would have, and uh, um, some of the walls aren't pill packets take, photographed and blown up large. Um, uh, and I, anything, any, any shot of the spinning TARDIS going through the vortex makes me very happy. Uh, Bradley's got the Hartnell uh, hands-on lapels thing going strong sit don't yeah don't do that uh it's it's uh, uh i think the astral map is a thing of beauty and it's i'm gonna let it distract me uh from the fact that uh they've gone because they're from the 1960s they were all awful uh <laughs> gate is just pitch perfect uh with his uh i can't quite keep up with this that astral map is gorgeous that console which i think has bernard wilkie's name on it somewhere is gorgeous um and isn't it lovely that actually this ties in with the 50th which you know Moffat you know was was a vital well was in charge during but 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 an adventure in space of time was a part of its makeup and and in order to get you know to to, to see Capaldi out they they sort of drew it back to that where and of course Capaldi eyebrows made their debut in uh, in the 50th anniversary special so i like the fact that all that tied up they've even got the clock um uh, and it's um, and of course because because um, Moffat wasn't originally going to do this, was he? He was going to go out and uh, 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 and um, then we had this sort of protracted. He decided, you know, we should have we should have Doctor Who on Christmas Day. I th- I think I read it. You know, he didn't he didn't want Doctor Who to be killed again on Christmas Day, but he also thought, you know, he can't imagine Christmas Day without Doctor Who. Um. Which I have to say, I, I I find the idea that if you're given something that has a prime time slot, the crown jewel, uh, the crown jewels of scheduling, um, yeah. Now that's quite. I I quite like the fact that um, Bill gets to do her. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm gay, and you you know, you guys, uh, and and. And, and their response I think that I do think that is quite funny especially especially Gatiss is, is sort of quite charming um, but I like the fire from her you know um, uh, 
and it's interesting it will be interesting to see how much of a period piece this makes it because i'm i'm assuming there's a lot of things in 20 years time as a society we will have completely got over um uh, which are you know is obviously progress um but uh you know will i be t- watching this with my grandchildren and them going uh uh what 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 you know what's the what, why why are some people um you know slightly uncomfortable about uh being gay granddad and i go because in the old days some people were and I'll go, yeah, of course, you really are from the other. It'll be the equivalent of silent movies, you know, and outside toilets. Um, uh, but I, that's distracted me, hasn't it, from from going if um, inheriting a inher- yeah inheriting a program that has a Christmas Day uh, special guaranteed and going. Oh, I don't really know what I'll do with that. Did strike me as a slightly odd move, I have to say. Um, <laughs> it's like me going. It, uh, you can dine at the finest restaurant. Here's a brilliant menu. I'm, 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 I won't know what to do with that food. Uh, anyway, uh, that's for another day. Um, uh, so again, we're we're quite small. This is sort of reminiscent of a of a of a sort of Star Trek planet, isn't it? It's a it's a studio planet. I don't mind. It's 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 beautifully lit. And uh, this is again when I get something showing me that it's on location. Um, uh, and and you know the, the 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 Dalek mutants crawling around is uh, is is again it feels like it's uh it, it it's something taking a you know a sort of mystery icon from from Doctor Who's past and and giving it a new twist or giving it a day in the sun. Um. <laughs> You're an ass. Oh, she says bloody. There aren't too many bloodies in Doctor Who. It's the bloody moon, isn't it? Now, uh, that's obviously a line from the Dalek invasion of Earth, but uh, given to Doctor Who's granddaughter. Um, not not something he'd just say to a random young woman of his acquaintance, but it's an excellent joke. It's I don't think it is. Um, but there we go. I'm supposed to accentuate the positive. Um I mean, I lo- you know, as I say, I love this. I just, I just feel they really sort of st- struggle to jam that stuff in, and I, I, am not, I'm not sure they needed to. Um, they could have had, they could, and, and you know, there is a case to be said for you know, counterpointing the values of the '60s when the show began and those today. But I think you have to be careful, um, and I think it perhaps needs to go both ways i think there are things we we might have done in the 60s um in terms of community and neighborliness and manners and fastidiousness about uh certain things uh and and lack of acquisitiveness and um community and all sorts of things that we could learn from today i again i'm i'm cautious of being oh that's a brilliant reveal just that little hand and it's and it's the glass it's the glass woman's hand um but so i could yes i could have done with a little bit of that but uh, I, I mean i do think the sweetness of, of these two men learning from each other and learning to let go uh is is actually desperately sad but happy sad you know you know that that irrepressible joy of 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 being alive um of of renewal um of actually realizing that all the things that make you up 
are changeable if you want to be better. Uh, even though you might hang on to the way that you used to do things. And, I, you know, I'm very much sort of, um, as, as I say, I'm quite a nostalgist. So perhaps I'm too biased the other way when I get a bit st stick up for the 60s a bit. I'm a, I am a little bit sort of, oh, but I, I, we used to do this this way. And that, that is right. Now I have to learn from that because it's not always right. Uh, and I'm, I don't talk about this in these, but I I, I think I, I perhaps, I will. Partially because I've been, been a bit critical um, it's brilliant stunt work, this, and lovely, lovely, exciting. This is lovely, exciting action stuff. Uh, lovely sequence, nicely done. Uh, Rachel Tullalay is a fine director. Um, I'm, a, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and, and there's something you have to learn about being totally self-absorbed, as you have to in order to recover, but also realising that you are not the most important person in the world and in fact are nothing so actually you're not that important so don't take everything so personally and don't think that if you change this or you alter this it's going to be world shattering it's not uh and and so the whole thing about regeneration um and confronting your past and rebuilding yourself uh takes on a slightly different sheen for me as a <laughs> close up of a glass of brandy that I very much like to drink <laughs> that's something you learn is that even even in Doctor Who at Christmas time you can't escape the booze that is everywhere and that is everywhere and seen as a calming thing or a leveller or a joy giver or some warmth uh, now, if I, I think if I was from these days, uh, I, I would go on Twitter and complain about it. But I realise that it's not most people's problems. And so I, I, I should, I've got no reason to complain. I just have to get on with it. Um, uh, look at myself now, casting myself as the hero in this movie. I love Mark Gatiss. Um, I've, I'm, I, I think the, 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 the captain uh, may, may well be one of my my favourite things. This is wonderfully shot. Rachel Tulele, uh, who's a movie director. Uh, and was flown in um, to do, uh, you know, Doctor Who's prior to this. I remember being so impressed when they got it. And uh, and obviously, uh, I, I think became a favourite of theirs and, and, and is such a talent, such a terrific director um, and seems to really have engaged with the whole thing as well. She's given loads of interviews and, and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, oh, Hope makes one awfully frightened. It sure does. I think that, I think that's a, I think that's a beautiful bit of acting by uh, Gates there. Now, Nikki Amuka Bird, because the world revolves around me. See, I always see when people are in Doctor Who that I have a connection with. I don't really. She's a wonderful actress. Uh, she's great in uh, the the remake of Survivors. Um, she's in the sleeper episode of Torchwood, which I think is a terrific idea for an episode, and she was excellent in it. Uh, but she uh, she was actually I looked her up on IMDb when she did Sleeper, I think, because I thought she was great, and discovered she was married to, an, to to one of my university colleagues, Jeff, who's a fantastic actor. They are no longer married. Um, I've seen and I've seen Jeff since, but uh, again, so so really, she's she's just a really good actress in this thing. But because and I've never met her, but because there's that sort of connection. Uh, well, because I think when you meet somebody at university, you're not the people, you know, Jeff was a wonderful actor, but he was not the guy who'd played Leeds Royals, the Royal Shakespeare Company, yet he is now. You know, I, I loved Doctor Who. I wasn't the person who'd done the Doctor Who show and, you know, become whatever it is I am. So I like all of those connections. All of this stuff, I think, is beautifully directed and the lighting here is superb. I love these shards of light coming out of uh, of the windows and the way that they're lighting the faces here. 
Uh, it's real proper atmospheric Doctor Who. Again, I was expecting, you expect sort of, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting a sort of epic adventure, but I'm I'm actually quite enjoying the fact that it's 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 a journey for a very small amount of people. The cast list is tiny. Oh, and I feel sorry for the guy who was cast as the technician uh, in the Tenth Planet sequences whose scenes ended up getting cut. Uh, so he's not credited and not in it. But there was a, there was an actor uh, cast. I hope they cast him again in another Doctor Who. It seems only fair. Because um, there's, there's nothing worse than being cast. I mean, whenever you do telly, loads of it's cut. And there's loads of good stuff cut from this between the main actors. But of course, if you're the main actors, you don't worry so much because you know, well, I'm in it the whole thing. So I might lose a bit of a scene. And that makes me a bit sad but because I'd have liked that bit to have been in it. And then you sometimes go, didn't I do a bit here? And then you look and go, oh yeah, I had lines there. But if 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 you've only got five lines and four of them are cut, or in the case of the poor fellow here, you've got one scene and it's cut, uh, that's a blow. That's not that's not quite a Christmas present. Um, and so we have this lovely title. Nick Briggs, I think, never quite gets the credit he deserves for the Dalek voices. If, if fans... Fans have a funny thing about fans being involved with Doctor Who, don't they? Um, and I certainly uh, did when I was much, 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 much younger, you know, when when uh, the idea that fans might write fan fiction or whatever. I go, well, I'm not interested. You're not from proper Doctor Who. But, of course, fan fiction is nothing more than an aspiring writer writing about the programme that they love. And that's where you learn and cut your teeth and eventually become good enough like Paul Cornell, uh, Stephen Moffat, uh, Russell T. Davis. Rob Shearman, you know, some some exemplars of writing Doctor Who. You know, again, it's that thing that we go, oh, well, a Doctor Who fan might write something that's too fanish. Not necessarily. A lot of Doctor Who fans have written Doctor Who that's done stuff that I might not have done with the Doctor Who because it's too far away from uh, what I think of as Doctor Who. Um, uh, and the same with actors, you know, and some actors who are Doctor Who fans. Nick Briggs. But he's also a Dalek geek. Brilliant as the voice of the Daleks. And, you know, Peter Capaldi. He was a fan. He wasn't just a... Not like when you see... I'm amused when I see people like Michael Gambon listed on Wikipedia or whatever. I don't know if he still is as, you know, Doctor Who fans who've been in Doctor Who. Peter Kay. You go, no, when, when Peter Kay and Michael Gambon say they're fans, what they mean is I quite like the show and quite fancied being in it. They're, they couldn't tell you who directed Creature from the Pit. Do you know what I mean? They haven't got the censor rights on, D, on DVD. Now, Frank Skinner has. He's a fan. Uh, Capaldi, proper fan. Uh, he's a he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. I would have been interested to see him carry on. I, I never felt he quite had... Because he was there for, for a long enough time. I... I I, I will be interested to revisit his era, which I haven't done as often as I would like, because I, I think I feel that there's time. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, and, 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 and much of my focus is on, on the classic series because I'm a nostalgist. So I'm looking forward to this becoming nostalgia. Um, I, and it, it is in itself an exercise in nostalgia. This is a beautiful set. Um uh, and, and Bradley is a terrific actor with a wonderful face and he's got that Hartnell's impassive thing going very well. Oh, and isn't it very clever how they tie in at the beginning, you know, the whole thing with the with, with, with the doctor, uh, the Capaldi doctor saying, oh, you're, you're, your face isn't 
quite right or whatever because because he's stopped his regeneration midstream and that's why he he looks a bit like David Bradley although I actually think the resemblance is perfectly well enough that it didn't need that but actually I like the fact that they've just added that just in case there is anybody there with a nagging a nagging doubt about the physiognomical similarities or otherwise um what what does interest me though talk about cut scenes is i know ben and polly had a lot of their scenes cut uh, and i mentioned much was made of those actors who end up not doing doing very much at all but what interests me is because i will champion diverse casting i think it's very important um is that i would also like a diversity of shape uh, in that michael craze was a spindly young fellow very good looking guy but he was he was a he was of of a spindly shape. Um, ben Tra Ben 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 Travers Ben Jackson uh, of the twenty first century has is massive. Clearly goes to the gym as all young actors must these days. Well, why must they? Because casting people and TV people have a shape that they like their young actors to have, unless they're playing a comedy stooge or whatever. And I think, you know, I think. The way that we look back now, this is why. Never be too cocky about how liberal your time is, everybody, because you do not know, and how liberal your values are, because you do not know what things you think now will be shown to be actually pretty awful. Um, we look back now at the lack of colour um, and the the, the, the the relative scarcity of say strong female guest roles or whatever in, in classic who and people who have a mind to do that go oh yes well whereas uh, we are making it you know um i think in 20 years time people will look back and go why did everybody have to look like they'd been to the gym why did that society want that isn't that a bit master racy because i do find that 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 sort of you know the the body perfectionism that uh, is on display in television as i say even from quite sort of supporting characters everyone has to look good in a in a pressed shirt if they're a, a bloke even of my age uh I, I think is quite harmful to society in yeah not in blatant ways as we see now but i think in 20 years time we might see and go actually hang on that that was you know that set unrealistic expectations for people that that had uh, impact on people's mental health because they they never saw themselves as represented or whatever um and you know, uh, I think I've probably mentioned before. Um, and and Andy Pryor, the casting director of Doctor Who, is brilliant at the disability representation. I think he's been ahead of uh, at most, and I know that he's worked with my my, my partner Shez on some of her initiatives for getting more disabled people access to the arts. But you know, we will look back at uh, even the most progressive programmes of 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 the twenty first century and go what there was like there were still people playing wheelchair users who weren't wheelchair users there were still people playing blind people who weren't blind you know there's there's uh because because society is very is rightly fighting some battles and and not fighting others and uh those who are minded to in 20 years time could go well yeah you're big on that weren't you but you you turned a blind eye to that which is why i always say you know uh be sympathetic to the changes people want you to make but if you're one of the change makers just be aware that that, that, that you don't necessarily always uh, uh, occupy the moral high ground this uh, this this is this you know this idea that he has to take Gatiss back to face his death 
you know you sort of go well how we you know this is this is a great central theme running through it because for all the adventuring we're having you know he's just having a sabbatical from the inevitable um which of course the doctor decides to change and then the beautiful i cried (laughs) um the beautiful fact that he turns out to be is it the father of brigadier colonel not corporal he wouldn't have been a corporal he'd have gone to sandhurst and graduated as a second lieutenant um and they certainly wouldn't have gone from corporal to colonel in what eight years um but anyway um that's a beautiful design by the way that's a beautiful special effect of the of the apple ice maiden uh toby whithouse there great guy great writer i love all of his scripts for for doctor who um nice nice to see him uh in the show nikki mukaberg is a brilliant actress she's absolutely stunning visually and vocally and, and has a really lovely enigmatic quality about her she's great casting for this that's a great shot of of the first doctor on the skyline with the uh apple ice cream tell my family oh my God. oh and i i don't love that that and i'm a sucker for it it's real let's bridge to <laughs> love it I, I i i love the brigadier i love old doctor who i love nicholas courtney he was such a nice man i i love i love this bit it makes me really happy sad i like being happy sad um I like it when sort of happiness and sentiment make you cry. I think it's important to be in touch with your emotions. And I, I like, I don't resist Doctor Who's soppy bits, but my soppy bits are probably not when, um, when there's a bit of love going on. Although that said, I'm quite Rose and the Doctor a bit, but, but, but more when sort of bravery in the, in the face of death, you know, stoicism, that unspoken, thing and i think it's because it's hewn from the sort of adventure stories of my uh youth not just doctor who you know i used to read commando magazine although this isn't really from commando mags but but anyway that old that old-fashioned um repression of emotion which is again very unlike today now i think it's very important that we're in touch with our emotions much more now than we were then and that dampening your emotions down is actually can be very dangerous and harmful but i also find there's something extremely admirable in the people that did survive these terrible things coming back and not talking about it because there is also something to be said in that your problems are not other people's uh and it's finding that happy medium obviously it's an improvement that we we are now share and are not encouraged to suffer in silence and a lot of terrible things obviously went on behind closed doors when people didn't talk about the war but by the same token there's also a lot of um uh, today i'm so unhappy about this thing i shall keep an eye out for if anybody says anything i could uh, could construe that 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 means they're not taking that into account and make their tweet about me (laughs) um or their day about me or whatever and i think there is a happy medium to be had i uh you know and i sometimes share things but i largely i largely don't um uh but this is beautiful i remember i was introduced to the christmas armistice by way of popular culture by way of the video for the paul mccartney song the pipes of peace and in the video um i'm sure i I remember falling in love with that video paul mccartney plays the captain or the the commanding officer on the british side and 
the commanding officer on the German side and they're looking at photos of their loved ones and they get up and they play football as they did. And I remember when it was on top of the pops or whatever it was on. I'm, I'm sure I remember Muriel Gray on the tube accidentally calling it pipes of piss <laughs> and then get really flustered, which sort of diluted the, then the beauty of the uh, thing. But it was my favourite song. I don't listen to it at all now because I think it was one of those things where actually the video was as much a part of it as the song. Uh, and as a result of that, I learned that there actually was a, a Christmas armistice. And I love this whole speech of of Capaldi. I love the whole sentiment of it. I find this unbearably moving. And I've seen photos, you know, you look at photos of, of World War and you look at those people and go, one of these people would, would, would died the next day, you know, or was in abject agony. One of these, you know, these, and, and it, cause it was, you know, it was, it was a visceral war where, where deaths were administered in mind bendingly cruel and unpleasant fashion. Uh, so, you know, that's why we have to be careful about romanticizing such stuff as well, but there's nothing wrong with romanticizing the Christmas Day armistice, a, a moment amongst great madness where the things that divide us are less important than the things that we have in common. Um, uh, and I, I love that. I love those images of, of the, of, I know there are any load of dirty faced extras, you know, but it's, it's really movingly done and it, and it teaches these two something. I, I think that's a really wise choice uh, and an instructive one. And then, it, you know, it's what Doctor Who it, it inform, educate and entertain um, does. And I, I do, I find it unbearably moving. Um, war is hell, but actually under adversity, sometimes we show our, we show ourselves at our best. And that's, you know, there is something to be said where a complacent society falls into squalor of mind and humanity um and amidst all that madness but you know the tragedy is that you know as i say the next day those people were perhaps killing each other uh i love the flicker of recognition from gatis <laughs> oh i found wow i found that i found that quite moving and i'm not i am soppy but i'm not i'm not I'm not much of a sharer. I'm not. I'm not a public displayer. Uh, having so I've just gone against everything I've just said. <laughs> oh, I love this. This. I mean, this is like that flickering cine footage that we have. I adore the fact that they've done that. I adore the tying it of the Tenth Planet, and and it and it kind of ties in with what we know because William Hartnell did have episode three of the Tenth Planet off. Because uh, a, a fellow called Gordon Craig plays William Hartnell in episode three of The Tenth Planet. Hartnell's penultimate episode, he's not actually in. Uh, so it, it sort of ties in with the production history as well. And I love the fact that it, it then goes back into the... Uh, and it even has to change aspect ratio because the past is another country. They do things differently there. Um, but I love the fact that they're brave enough to have it. Uh, and it's a tribute to the show. It's a tribute to the long-lasting nature of the show, to nostalgia, to, to what brought us all here, to what brought us all to this point. But now they're going to have a little bit of indulgence for their era, which I think they have earned. Uh, but again, this is emblematic of the times that we live in. I mean, in, in the old days, uh, re regenerations could be um, 
unceremoniously brief. I mean, John Pertwee literally falls over and changes. I mean, there's no, there's no sort of even maudlin music. He doesn't get much of a speech. He gets a joke. Well, there's life, there's and then dies. And then the regeneration itself is, a. I mean, the regeneration in Planet of the Spiders. I was appalled when I first saw it because it's just like, oh, what? It's just a... Um, but friends of mine at the time say it was the most awe-inspiring thing because of what it was, not because of how it was done, because it was Doctor Who... I mean, Planet of the Spiders is quite self-referential and quite epic in it to look back at the era and everything from the casting to the themes of, you know, where it brings the third Doctor Who to. And yet it doesn't have that sense of, I'm a cultural landmark and this is an important moment right at the end in the way that it is staged. Um, and uh, 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 Tom Baker's is a bit, elegant. yeah, yeah. So, and, and some are forced by circumstance like Colin Baker's is not, but... The, um, and Tom Baker's felt suitably epic because of the, the 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 music and the and the clips and stuff like that. But 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 Troughton's is an odd thing. Uh, I, I'm amused by the fact that Twitter's re- response to Clara, um, who I really like and I think she's a really good actress. Um, but um, it, it was clear that at this point that the showmakers were perhaps more enamoured of the idea of Clara than than Twitter certainly was. Now, I don't mind people disagreeing with me if it, if it, if it's if it's a if it's a funny outcome. And I thought everyone going F off Clara was actually quite funny. It's a very sort of um uh, <laughs> I I don't know if it came from uh, other parts of the world as well, but it seems to me quite emblematic of a British sense of humor. Um but again, there's another thing. I if if people do a, a joke that is actually against my sense, but if it's a good joke, I'll take it. I, I think we, you know, we should do that. And I love, I love uh, Matt Lucas's costume. I love Matt Lucas's judgment of the way he plays the whole series. He he's very sweet, but he's also very very funny. Um, uh, and another Doctor Who fan got into the show. I love I love that. Um, uh, and I, oh gosh, I gigged with him back in the day. We'll talk about that on another on another uh, podcast. So yes, but. But what I'm talking about is it. This is very emblematic of, and 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 I know it ha- happened with the David Tennant regeneration as well, where you know it's the end, but the moment has been prepared for enough that I've got time to go to a book signing. <laughs> you know the idea that these days, you know, a regeneration can last in this. This I mean, it's lasted a whole episode. In David Tennant's case, it lasted the last sort of ten minutes of the story. Um, but this is the whole, and, and that was partially because this is like a coda to the regeneration story itself, which is the previous episode. But it means the Doctor's regenerating all the way through, which I love as an idea, and I think they make great uh, hay of it, and, and it's very thematically apposite, and it's and it's it allows for a brilliant. I love, I love Capaldi's brave sadness that he does here, uh, but it is emblematic of the world today in which we are very wrapped up in ourselves and of our own importance. Now, this isn't necessarily a, a criticism. As I say, it's an observation about how what you do now with a regeneration story is it's very much about what we are and what we're doing. Now, of course, you don't want it to be a damp squib. So it's, and Peter Capaldi has earned the right for a big exit. But it is it, it, it is very interesting, I think, how how the way that we do things today um allows us or allows in this case the doctor to 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 very much uh you know do quite a long twitter thread of regeneration if you like so it's a it's a you know it's it's a it's a big 
Facebook sad emoji, you know, and then basically everyone's coming back to say, Are you okay, hun? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely fine. Uh, but he's beautiful. He's heartbreaking. He's such a good actor um, and such a good doctor. And I like Murray Gold's music too. Uh, oh, for, oh, and this is his last score for the show. Um, and I like the fact that he gets to do a big a big speech because he's you know he's the doctor that proved that he could do a whole episode on his own uh and and this is wonderfully shot uh and it's nice for Stephen Moffat to to sort of state his case for what Doctor Who is about um Oh, Alexa, Volume Seven. I'm supposed to talk. I suppose it's a commentary. Um, the Cloister Bell. God, that's a good sound effect. Um, I love that library. What? So, what does what does the Doctor say? Do I agree with them all? Yeah. Okay. Basic stuff first. Never be cruel. Oh, cowardly. I mean. Words of the master. I don't agree with Never Eat Pears. The Doctor should not be a fussy eater. The Doctor is an example to children. Um, I, don't, I don't know what we gain. Anyway, I've done a whole podcast about that. Love is always wise. Well, <laughs> that's an idealised thing. I love that shabby shabbiness of his costume. Hate is always foolish, though. Even hating your enemies. Always try to be nice, never fail to be kind. Uh, yeah, you mustn't tell anybody your name. Uh, please, no, never tell anybody your name. Uh, because, yeah, any showrunner that goes, I, I, I want to give that big secret away, don't. Except children, I like that. I like that uh, I like that. Uh, there's this connection that Doctor Who is... is and, and, and Capaldi's Doctor is, is so much like the sort of Hartnell of annual fiction or the, almost the David Whittaker Hartnell Doctor of this sort of benevolent grandfather thing when he's when he's saying this um uh, but it, it is ironic that the doctor that started off being the meanest and grumpiest of the lot is the one that says be kind that is quite emblematic of our times because a lot of people uh, that wag their fingers at people telling them to be kind uh, dispense their liberalism with a distinct lack of kindness because they think the people they're dispensing it upon don't deserve their kindness because they've decided that they're bad people that's not what kind people do you, you i'm sorry uh but so so i think so whilst i love this speech and capaldi does it well uh and i i also agree with the sentiment i agree with the sentiment be kind but there are a lot of people who wield those two magic words these days who then proceed to be the complete opposite. So the sentiment will not age. I hope our, our wrangling of it perhaps will. Not our, but, but quite a few people's. Um, and then and it is a design flaw that a regeneration smashes your space-time ship to bits to bits uh but here we have uh, a cracking start she looks great in uh in in the, she looks like a scarecrow brilliant uh and the ring falls off oh oh and i love that music um 
it's and it's an echo it's that didn't they call it the chancellor flavia music uh, phil collinson and russell t davis that's brilliant the uh, the reflection of the tardis in the eye and then a pov shot and i i like this tradition of 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 handing over and of getting a glimpse getting a scene with the new doctor it just whets the appetite it hasn't erased what's gone before uh because it, it just makes you excited uh and of course that's probably what you would say if you suddenly found uh uh you were a woman if you were if you'd been a, a bloke for the past many 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 times um uh and of course that's a, I mean that's a great sequence uh and you go oh and I remember there were rumors that the the whole of the first series was going to be the doctor without the TARDIS and that yeah Chibnall's going to get rid of the TARDIS because the doctor's fallen out of the TARDIS and that ended up being completely da- sorted almost straight away uh but it was a re- there was a, I'm sure it was a real sort of rumor of yeah yeah it's not going to be the TARDIS for oh that you know the first eight episodes or whatever or the whole of the first series great way to uh, end in peril each doctor is reborn into peril we're you know what what is it we're born straddling the grave uh, we we really are oh it's iPlayer, so i've got to stop it uh, jumping the credits uh, i like the fact it credited uh, the actors from the 10th planet as well uh, could really do with these credits being slowed down that's not the fault uh, of the program that's the fault of the bbc public service broadcaster that believes people can't read Oh, I just saw Julie Ankerson's name, Foley artist to uh, to whom a recent episode was dedicated because uh, she's since passed away. Did loads, loads and loads and loads and loads. We lose people from the new series too, you see. Um, of course we do. Uh, we are born straddling the grave. Um, well, look, I really enjoyed that. I found that much more emotional than I thought I would. And I thought I would struggle for things to say because I'd remembered it being, you know, we're approaching it. I was thinking, but it's actually, it ends up being quite low key. Um, but I had plenty to say. Um, some of which I may have said before, some of which may have been me uh, railing against things. Well, you know, I, uh, I I am a liberal person who believes in kindness and decency and uh, not getting... But in the same token, so when I express an opinion, I also um, absolutely think that i might be wrong and if somebody wants to disagree with me then please do but disagree with me in a nice way you know just go well actually tell me i think i have i have arguments with my kids all the time and i'll go ah oh, i think this is this is wrong and they'll go yeah but dad this 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 and i'll go oh yeah and i sometimes even change my mind um so it's it's funny because i'm having to do this speech after this because i'm i'm well aware that somebody might take and remember i haven't scripted this either a non sequitur or a sentence or deliberately um uh sort of interpret something i may say in the worst way possible to say ah well that's because he doesn't like this or doesn't like that i am a uh uh as i say a a, a liberal uh, live and let live certainly very you know anti-right-wing anti-prejudice all of those sorts of things but i don't think that people that don't share my politics are evil uh, i don't think the way of uh, uh winning the argument is to demonize people or to not question or to not have arguments i don't i, th- I think it's wrong to live in an echo chamber or to expect everybody to believe the same that you do or to b- believe that your interpretation even of doctor who i think there's an interpretation easily made of uh, of doctor who making you um 
uh, a free market right winger. Um, and in fact, I've, I've encountered a couple. Um, that's a perfectly legitimate view. It's uh, all texts are multi-readable. Uh, I don't hold that view, uh, but I, I almost did a, a podcast for us called Doctor Who turned me into a right winger and, and was going to sort of do that whole thing for three quarters, and then three quarters of the way in, actually turn around and go, I don't actually believe any of that. I just thought it'd be fun to make the argument. But I know that certain people would turn off halfway through and <laughs> take to Twitter and lambast me. <laughs> anyway... Um, what are my five favourite things about that that I'm going to have to choose and then obviously uh, present to young Joe as or after Joe presents? Here's, and I've got to not patronise Joe and go, well, I wonder what a 15-year-old would choose because 15-year-olds um, are very wise. Um, uh, and and he's also a 15-year-old that counts Logopolis amongst his top 10. So, you know, he he's he's not just going to go for, I, I, I like Peter Capaldi and Pearl Mackey and Matt Lucas uh, or, or whatever, uh, and I like the new things. So I say Gatiss is the captain uh, and being the brigadier, that the whole performance, the whole concept of that character. I th uh, I've chosen the 10th planet, um, the whole way that that's tied in with the adventure. Um, I, I'm going to choose, I, I wasn't sure because it's a bit close to uh, Gatiss, um, but I'm going to choose the Armistice setting. I think it's such a great choice. I think it's so moving, and I think it's it's a brilliant Christmas Day setting for a Christmas Day Doctor Who episode. Um, I have to choose Peter Capaldi's performance um, uh, because, again, I I find it. Uh, incredibly moving um, and the culmination of, of you know three three years or so of, of, of brilliance and I think he's a marvellous Doctor Who but I think that that sort of weight he carries around with him the, the nobility of with which he faces his downfall which is similar to what Gatiss does as well really isn't it um, now does the snow tie in with being the 10th planet as well uh maybe it does maybe it does okay well i'll go for because uh, i love i love the so i'm going to tie in with the 10th planet thing you know the, the hartnell doctor's silhouette in the snow i love that and the hat it's all of that i'm lumping all of that together with the 10th planet and i'll take the uh the apple ice maiden because i think that's a great design and i think it uh it's really sleek and looks brilliant and it's just so simple probably wasn't it took, probably took cgi experts really ages to do really hard things but it looks really simple and clean and i wonder if it will date in 20 years i wonder if we look at that and go that looks so 21st century apple kind of thing and people actually made things like that and thought they looked cool you know but it looks great uh, it looks great um so i said quite a lot there i hope i wasn't too finger wagging i think it's largely because the people a lot of the people doing being being quite lectury these days are people that i actually ag agree with i i just think there's a it saddens me that uh the modus operandi is is slightly hectoring and i th and i think dare i say it slightly arrogant um and i and, and the reason i i worry about that is because i don't think it win wins you the argument it, I, I see it harming the arguments I would like to make about not being prejudiced and about decency and all of those sorts of things. And I also, I, I also, yeah, I also think that the past 
may be another country but other countries are beautiful and have a lot to offer and as I say we patronize it at our peril and I think that's something that one can't say too often because I remember saying it in my, my Doctor Who scarf that was about talking head shows where people watched old telly and laughed at the special effects and you're going what you're mocking a program for not using technological advances that hadn't actually been invented at the time so it's all you know and I know attitudes are different but uh, to, to uh, technology but actually they're not because they have to be formed through learning through osmosis through the passage of time through different um things coagulating through different accidents of meetings and designs and minds and and and, and you know the, the the wheel rolls forward that doesn't mean you look at the you look at the start of the journey and think the people that started driving the the you know the the, the riding the penny farthing at the beginning of the journey were somehow idiots because we're now driving uh f you know fuel efficient motor vehicles and that everybody in between who drove m m fuel inefficient motor vehicles or uh, um, uh, you know dangerous ones or whatever were, were somehow awful people because that was what they had created at the time with the circumstances that they were in and I and I and I find that's the, that's the same with with attitudes I think you 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 know you just yeah just um just just be careful how assured you are that everything you think is great because uh, it it might date like my 1980s wardrobe has anyway lecture over um i hope that wasn't too stern and lofty I, it was more a plea for kindness and decency who's listening to this who's gonna change their mind on anything anyway get over yourself toby tell jokes and do doctor who facts um okay well that was that's what it is i it's, look this is this is the podcast this is what i do um I, I must not apologize for saying the things that i say because they're what i think and you don't have to listen so i hope you enjoyed listening to that i'm gonna go to the future and speak to joe i hope this conversation goes well i'm quite excited to meet a 15 year old young person uh, who likes the Gopolis and Remembrance of the Daleks, which, by the way, had already been snaffled up, which was I wasn't being cruel withholding them from him. Uh, over to the future, and I'll be back shortly. And so we're back. Um, I've chosen five things, and to show I can't cheat, I've shown Joe that I've written them down on bits of paper, so I can't change my mind after you've told me what they are. So, um, what's your first favourite thing about Twice Upon a Time? Uh... The interactions between the first and twelfth Doctor, uh, again, just how different the Doctor is now to when he was when he was the first Doctor. I like I like the contrast between them both. I think it's interesting, to say the least. Um, and it's interesting because I talk about this in the commentary. Um, do, do you like the idea that uh, the old Doctor is a bit reactionary and we need the new Doctor to sort of teach him to teach him how to be a bit less less old-fashioned as it were uh i i get it as a this is what men were like in the 60s kind of way but in the way of this is the doctor it doesn't make sense because the doctor should know stuff like what an air guitar is or what browser history is he should know that being a time traveling alien you know 
that's a very good point. I, I, I also have the po- I also make the point quite a lot in the commentary is that the first Doctor wasn't a sexist sexist 60s man anyway. But that's a that's yeah. a whole that's a whole thing uh, that that they've heard me get cross about that. But uh, <laughs> but yes, we like the Doctor's bantering. Have you seen um, Have you seen the three Doctors or the five Doctors when uh, Patrick Trout oh. and John Pert we fight with each other? Oh yeah, I've seen both. Really good episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't tell you what any of mine are until the end. So that's one is the the banter between uh, Doctors uh, 1 and 12. Um, what's number two? Okay, this one is an odd one, but I, I like the use of the uh, Ninth Doctor's like melody theme throughout the episode when they're like yeah. talking about like why the Doctor left Gallifrey or when the 13th Doctor's first on, on um, screen. I think it was really well used and I just think it's a good piece of music anyway. It is a beautiful piece of music, uh, and uh, I think they refer to it, don't they, as Chancellor Flavia in uh, in one of the in one of the commentaries that uh, Phil Collinson and Russell T Davis did early when Doctor Who came back. I think they made the joke that the that the you know the woman's voice, you know, the ooh voice was uh, yeah. was was Chancellor Flavia from <laughs> from the Five Doctors, uh, you know, the sort of ghost of Gallifrey. Uh, <laughs> it's a lovely lovely piece of music. Um, what is your number three thing? Uh, my number three would probably be some of the effects, like in the uh, like battlefields in World War One, when um, everything stops. I thought that was that looked really good because like you're making some you're making a person look like he's just in the middle of stop time, and it doesn't look like he's not there. It looks like he's actually there, and I think it's really good. I don't know if it was an effect or something else but i just thought it looked good yeah it looks fantastic because it's they're frozen but it doesn't look like they're pressed pause on the on the video or to, yeah so they'd have done it in the 80s and they'd just press pause and you can always tell there's a bit of a a bit of a blur so that was that was number three is that yes. number three number four please i am um, really this is probably a controversial one but i i like how testimony isn't like evil but i also like how they bring back bill if you get what i mean i know some people weren't happy about that when it happened but i i like how they brought her back just so like they could have like is this evil is this not especially some of the scenes with the captain and bill in the first doctor's tardis where you can see the glass and it's like oh is testimony evil or not and even when i know they're not evil i think well that's good if you get what i mean I do get what you mean, and I I really enjoyed that one. I love the fact that you had to kept you kept guessing whether Bill Potts was was benign or or a malevolent force pretending to be Bill Potts. Um, I think Pearl Mackey is is wonderful, and 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 she's so sort of human and immediate that you sort of going, but she she can't be. And you go, well, no. If an alien's disguising themselves well, of course they'd be nice and warm. And yeah. Human. But I love that shot when she goes to pick up the brandy decanter, and it's the it's testament. It's the glass hand. Uh, yes. I think that's really creepy. Yeah. Yeah, good choice. Uh, and number five, your final. The use of David Bradley. Because if I'm not mistaken, they used him in that like special an Adventure in Time and Space in mm. 2013. And I think bringing him back was great. And the little transition between... Um, in like the little scene in from like the 10th planet, Emotions, Love, Pride, Hate, Fear... And then when mm. it switches over to like David Bradley, I think yeah. that was really well done. And like the regeneration scene 
for when it switches back over to William Hartnell. Again, it looks really like they've really put into consideration where the Doctor was, exactly how the Doctor was lying. So it just looks seamless when they switch back. I think you're absolutely right, and I couldn't agree more. I love that changeover. Um, now then, I think you get to be arbiter of, of, of whether the things I've chosen match with yours. Now, of course, uh, the rules are if uh, more than half of the things I have chosen match what you have chosen, I have won. And if, uh, if more than half of the things you have chosen I haven't chosen, you have won. There is no prize. Only honour is at stake. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and bearing in mind that England are heading for an ashes whitewash as I record this, um, I think a similar thing may be about to happen. Uh, I'm not sure about this one. I will let you decide. I have put the 10th planet connection. So I was, I sort of talked, so I didn't stay, say it as, as you did about the use of David Bradley, which is, I like the way you, you put that. I, I just sort of said the way that they worked the 10th planet into it, the fact that as an ancient man like myself, the fact that a Doctor Who Christmas special on primetime British television started with a piece of black and white footage from 1966 and that all of that continuity sort of tied in with that, that episode that, you know, even I haven't seen episode four of the Tenth Planet because it doesn't exist anymore, um, and and the fact that they worked it in, as you say, so seamlessly, uh, I I adored. Um, so d- d- does that count as the same as yours? Do you think or not? Uh, yeah. Oh, you're letting. Yeah, me... I, I'd say so. You're letting me have a point. That's very ge- proving your worth again, uh, Joe. That's that's very generous of you. I think you're safe though. Uh, my next choice was um, uh, where did I go? Ah, uh, yes, my second choice was. It was the captain and uh, not only the fact that Mark Gatiss is so good at that sort of stiff upper lip British honourable soldier thing, but also the fact that he's related to Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart. That made me cry. Uh, so, uh, but, but that wasn't close to any of yours, was it? But, uh, no. Uh, uh, I did write that down when I was watching the episode, but I didn't mention it. Well, that's OK. It's a, always a sign of a good episode if... Uh, if you're struggling to choose five things. Now, yeah. this one, I'm surprised. I thought you might have chosen this. And in fact, I hedged my bet slightly since I chose it on the track because I've added a bit to my little card that I've written because I chose Peter Capaldi's performance plus the last speech, So, which I didn't actually say during the commentary, but I thought, well, I've got to have the last speech. So I thought you might choose one or, or both of those. But um, I don't know. Do we take his performance? Is it always so good we take it for granted or... Uh, uh, just uh, uh, you were distracted by other things. Uh, he's oh, but he's not on your list of favourite doctors. That's interesting. So where where are you? Where do you stand with Capaldi? I when he first came out, I because this was like my first ever actual like regeneration to ever see. It didn't work with me. I did not watch a lot of Capaldi. I watched bits of it, like some of the series openers and um, Twice Upon a Time when it came out, but I didn't really get into him. And I've been meaning to rewatch like series eight, nine, and ten properly because it is a shame that I never fully got into Capaldi. Now that but... is it. That is interesting as an older viewer, you know, because I know that you know we we fans tend to be quite self-flagellating, and there was a worry. You know, I certainly was worried and went, "Oh, is 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 this harsher Doctor uh, uh, going to be off-putting to a uh, you know to the younger generation?" And you're not the first. There's a young man who, who who I speak to when I walk the dog in the park, and he also, having loved Tennant and loved Matt Smith, uh, stopped watching the Capaldi era. So that's very interesting. Have you seen much Colin Baker? Uh, I've seen a 
a bit of the twin dilemma. It wasn't that good after the whole like changing, like getting into the Doctor, like the first few scenes. Yeah. I watched Attack of the Cybermen the other day and I've watched all of the Trial of the Time Lord. Oh, oh and and Revelation of the Daleks. Yeah, because tri- Trial's on your, in your top ten. Because Colin, of course, tried to do that more alien, uh, slightly spikier Doctor thing. Did you not find it off-putting in, in his case? Uh, I Knowing the context of how it like ends with, oh, it's the Doctor, because obviously I know context that the mm. Doctor's the Doctor. But I think if I watched it when it first came out, like going into it, like who is this like new Doctor and all that, I think I would have been put off a bit, but I've watched it myself years later thinking that's all right. Yes, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The context at the time is very different because you know the show survives or you know the character endures or or whatever. Well, and, and also, interestingly, I, I think I note in the commentary that it's uh, ironic that the Doctor, whose last invocation is to tell us all to be kind, is when he started being Doctor Who was the, the most unkind and miserable git in, in the whole of space and time. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit like Sylvester McCoy's last words being, uh, uh, don't roll your R's. <laughs> or... Uh, or uh, Peter Davison's to be, but don't be, don't play cricket. Um, <laughs> uh, my other, my next choice was, and I don't think I can have a point for this because yours was more about the special. I actually chose the setting of the Christmas Armistice because I find that that a terribly moving historical incident. Had you known about it before you watched the episode that there'd been a Christmas uh, Armistice in World War One? What when it came out? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'd actually just learned about it in school a few, oh, wow. a few, uh, I think about two weeks prior, maybe. Oh, fantastic! Three, and we were learning about it, and then it came on on Doctor Who, and like I love history and I love Doctor Who, so then watching these two things that I love just come together. Like I've been learning about this, I've been watching Doctor Who, and then the exact thing I've been learning about just comes together. I thought that was great, but no, I didn't put it. that's all right that's all right um but i'm pleased about that as well because you know as i'm sure you know doctor who's original remit was to be to teach us about history through adventure so it's you know still doing that and i do find that now i think my last one is a bit rubbish and um and i think all of yours were better so my my last one is um i think so so bad you've done well not to have chosen it because I, I I wasn't sure, and then at the last minute I went for I've gone for the design of testimony. I've that the, I, I liked Stephen Moffat's description in the script of something like it's a it's an ice maiden as described by Apple as designed by Apple or something. Uh, 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 yeah, an ice an ice queen as designed by uh, Apple, and I just like that sort of sleek silhouette that she has. I think it's a really effective special effect that looks that looks simple but effective. I. No, I didn't. I can like really like the effect. To be honest with you, I thought it was just a bit cheap. If you get what I'm trying to say, I do. It looked yeah. good, but not something I'd expect from a 2017 episode of Doctor Who. If you put it in like a 2005 episode, I'd go, "That looks brilliant." But you put it in a 2017 episode, and it'd be just like, "Okay, that's fine." Ah, oh, you expect a bit more. Now that's interesting. I was almost ashamed of it as soon as I chose it. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Now that's that's interesting. So, ah, so uh, can you 
because it's harder for me because this is all new Doctor Easy. So, but because it, so can you very much differentiate between the sort of vibe and the production values of of sort of two thousand and five, six, seven, eight Doctor Who and and Doctor Who now? Because I suppose you know that fifteen years for me as an older person is it seems quite short. Whereas to you, it's sort of your life your lifespan. So it does Rose lifespan. does Rose look like ancient history to you then? Uh. I think if I'd only just got into Doctor Who now, then yeah, but I've been watching the series for years, so mm. not really, no. It just looks a bit off, but other than that, it's like, this is still Doctor Who. I've watched older. <laughs> yeah, and you've still got oh, plenty of older to watch, which is good. Um, all right, well, I'm, I promised I wouldn't take up too much of your time, but what what do you, what, what to you as, as, as the younger generation, to, in whom I invest a lot of hope, and it's so nice to uh, meet uh, such an uh, eloquent advocate of, of the series that I love because it's it's important that, obviously, old fans like me, it's nice that we like it, but it's vital for its future that it's still capturing young and imaginative people like you. So what what is the appeal of Doctor Who to you? Why what What's made you do such a deep dive into, into what is, after all, a, a daft tea time family entertainment show? Well... First off, it's age of being like over 50, nearly 60 years old. That to me, even when it like I first got into it, was well, that's amazing. I want to learn, I want to know what was happening. I just want to know loads of stuff, you know. And all of the actors that have played the doctor and how it's it's spanning back from like 60s and it's still going on today. I it's just interesting to learn about, interesting to know. And I just like the show. Well, I think that's brilliant, Joe. And I'm very grateful uh, that you've you've uh, participated in my silly podcast. Um, the future lies with you. So you'll be showrunner by uh, in about 30 <laughs> years time. So remember an old actor that's been be in need of work. Um, are you having a, a, a have you a, have you done a Christmas list? Has it got Doctor Who stuff on it? Uh, I haven't done a Christmas list, but I know that uh, my mum has got me. A Dalek, at least, oh. and an adipose. Oh, very nice. Um, yes. How how do you feel about the fact that Doctor Who's not on Christmas Day now? Well, yeah, I I do like Doctor Who on, on Christmas Day. I always think that's the proper way for Doctor Who to do specials, and especially with Chibnall only doing Dalek stories in um, the New Year's. Don't get me wrong, I, I do like the Daleks, but every New Year being a Dalek story. It's not surprising anymore, you know? It's just, oh, it's the new year. Let's get the Daleks out. Yeah. yeah. Spoken like a true fan there, Joe. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, look, I hope you have a lovely Christmas. Um, as we record okay. this, it's a week before. I think we're going to release this on New Year's Eve. So everyone will have had their Christmas. So happy Christmas, everybody. Uh, and happy Christmas to you, Joe. Um, and you. Um, uh, good luck. Keep watching and maybe we can... Uh, reconvene in a year's time and see uh, see what we've made of uh, of of the year to come and of course our anticipation of uh, you looking forward to Russell T Davis coming back oh there is nothing I'm looking forward to more oh. save the show please <laughs> amen uh, well I have to remain neutral but <laughs> Joe thank you ever so much for your time happy Christmas to you Joe thank you okay well that's that this is probably my last podcast before Christmas. This is going out on Christmas Day for patrons. 
uh, non-patrons, you will have had uh, the next Doctor on Christmas Day, which patrons have already had, and you will be getting this, I think, on New Year's Eve. So, if you're listening on New Year's Eve, that is also the date that I release my Doctor Who annual In Memoriam video, which is something I spend the entire year putting together, and it's a video to remember those from the worlds of Doctor Who, including Julie Ankerson, whose name I saw on the credits there, um, who have passed away this year, who, whose deaths we learnt about this year. There are a few from 2018, 19 and 20 whose deaths only... Um, filtered through this year and it's got clips and pictures and music and it's something i do if you want to see the previous ones just search doctor who in memoriam uh i think 2014 15 16 17 18 19 does it go from 2014 maybe it goes from 2015 i can't remember there's loads of them there have a look um labor of love please be kind about them give them a thumbs up if you don't like them don't give them a thumbs down instead go and find something else that you do like and give that a thumbs up because just one thumbs down can put an icicle through your heart when you've spent whole year making something and somebody just casually you know just decides to be unkind about it uh um and uh i'm also doing a show on radio 4 extra which is another roll call of the dead i specialize in mortality uh which is called absent friends and it's on bbc radio 4 extra at 650 on january the 1st and january the 2nd and will be on iplayer thereafter for a month uh and that is me paying tribute to the people from the worlds of science fiction and fantasy, not just Doctor Who. And there are some Doctor Who figures and some clips. Uh, so have a listen to that. Uh, Happy New Year to you if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve. Patrons, happy Christmas. Uh, I think you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, actually. I'm releasing this on Christmas Eve, but uh, you may have better things to do. Uh, so patrons, happy Christmas. What's a patron, I hear you say, non-patrons? Well, I'm sure I'll tell you about that in the voiceover at the end. But uh, I'm very, very grateful to the patrons who've supported me all of this year. Uh, As a freelance artist, uh, making a living has been quite tricky. And the fact that people put their money where my mouth is, is extremely touching. I hope you've had a wonderful festive season, everybody. I love Christmas. I hope the snow is falling uh, and uh, there's an armistice in your home, wherever it may be. Um, uh, Eat. I'll even say it, drink, even though that triggers me, and be merry uh, and have a delightful, delightful time. Lots of love. Um, Be kind. Goodbye. Happy Christmas. Thanks so much for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydoke, and my special guest, Young Joe. Uh, My thanks to Brian Malcolm for facilitating that hookup and wasn't Joe marvellous. Now listen, uh, these podcasts would not be possible without the help of patrons who include Stephen White, Andrew Wilson, Andrew Willis, Michael Williams, Rich Wiggins, Adam Westwood, Gary Wales, Apollo C. Vermouth, David Trainier, Reynard Toombs, Sabrina Tirabassi, Nick Temple, Neil Tate, Keith Say, Matt Sawyer, Jim Saxter, John Rivers, Dylan Reese, Richie, and Ruben Herfindahl. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates. The podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. And may I wish you all a very happy Christmas and all the best for 2022. There is a Patreon subscription for my podcasts. So if you just got wished a happy Christmas and are listening to this on New Year's Eve thinking, what the heck's he going on about? It's because patrons got this 
on Christmas Eve. And that's a pretty tight turnaround because normally they have happy times and places about four or five months earlier than you lot do. So uh, there's a real chance to get bonus and early and more frequent material. You get three releases a week uh, when you are a patron and that starts from as little as £3 a month and you get pretty much everything on the bottom tier bar a couple of things. Uh, but it's pretty egalitarian and you can also get 10% off whatever tier you're on if you subscribe for a year in one go. If you would like to go to Kofi, which is Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, uh, then you can just do a one-off payment whenever you like. If you think I sound hungry or needy or whatever, just in need of a virtual coffee. Um, and I understand, of course, that times are tough, particularly around Christmas and New Year. You've spent all your money. Well, do you know what costs you nothing? As you're leafing through the quality streets to see if there are any decent ones left, you could go onto Apple or to wherever you get your podcasts and give Toby Haydock's Time Travels five stars and perhaps a couple of lines of review. That really helps to tweak my algorithms and send them into 2022 looking all hot and exciting so that passing trade just oh, snaps them up. That uh, got a bit saucier than I'd hoped. And don't forget, if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, to check out my Doctor Who In Memoriam video, which comes out today. Doctor Who In Memoriam 2021 should find it for you. If you Google that, it's on my YouTube channel, Toby Haydoke's YouTube channel. If you're listening to this after New Year's Eve, well, it should be out already, but in case you've missed it, Doctor Who In Memoriam 2021. And also, I have two shows of obituaries on called Absent Friends, 6.50 and Midnight 50 on BBC Radio 4 Extra on the 1st and 2nd of January. And that is two separate instalments, both featuring different people, uh, including a number of Who alumni and some clips from Doctor Who. So please tune in if you can. Because that's how I spend my Christmas, folks, making lists of the dead. Which is probably something I need to discuss with a therapist at some point. Oh, well.